like to reiterate what she said in there about if someone has anything to share with us that, that you please, please, please would if you feel comfortable. Um, as we have learned through the last few weeks, uh, Mom, here. <laughs> Hi, people, I'm Junior. We have seen so many times in the past few weeks just how awesome it is and how much more we get out of this study when we see each other's perspectives. As I've said, you know, he speaks to each and every one of us differently according to our circumstances. And so I get my word from him. She gets her word from him. You each get your word from him. But how much more wisdom can we soak in and receive if we all were to share the word that we got from him? So if you feel comfortable, please, please, please share what you got from the study. Oh, again? Alright. Um, can you turn it that way a little bit, maybe? Sorry about that. If there is ever a time that we're you're unable to hear us, please do tell us. Sierra's very soft-spoken, and it really it, it's difficult sometimes. Okay, talk and see if she can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Give a minute and see. Junior is under the table. I'm not sure she could because I don't think she even heard you ask that. <laughs> ask her again. Can you hear me? Now that we move the AC. Oh, I think she's saying because your head was down. She okay. couldn't hear you once again. Okay. Um, well, we'll try. We will try. <laughs> We've got to work on this setup of ours a little more. Okay, so going into Psalms 4. Um, yeah, she says she hears you fine now. Good. Thank you. Um, again, though, if y'all do have any problems hearing her, because I do want y'all to hear what she has to say, and I know she's soft-spoken, and when she's facing down, you don't always hear her. When she's facing down, a lot of times she's reading her notes, and there's, there's such good wisdom in there. I want you to hear it. So if you don't hear her, please speak up so that she can repeat it a little bit louder where <laughs> you can hear her. Um, she did not inherit her mother's naturally loud voice. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so going into Psalms 4, before we get started, do you have any background information on this one that you wish to share, or are we just going to dive in? I don't know if I can say background, but I did get, I like the general mood that this one creates. Um, it kind of makes me think of like just being on your bed by a window and just thinking like a lot of Quietly, um, it's got this, this quiet, introspective kind of tone. So I, I think it is like a, a very late night prayer, like right before you go to bed. That that's neat that you get that because I got a completely different vibe from mm -hmm. it. I, I I kind of got that. Um, like I said, this one's carrying over. It's a continuance of the prayer. <laughs> Unless this is high junior. <laughs> um, it's a continuance of the prayer that he was doing last week. Um, I, I still kind of got that 
I don't want to say rebellious, but kind of pumped up feel that he had in the last one where, you know, where you see, and we'll get to that in a minute, they're still trying to convince him that he has no help, and he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, he's this, and he is that, you know, and I, I still kind of get that pumped vibe, so it's cool that you have a different perspective in that. I'm excited about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, again, one of the things I love about this is that um, it's such a good reminder to us of how pumped up we should be that we have that same access to this powerful God that, that he has access to and um, how often we should be reminding ourselves of that, you know, that in those moments that we all have when we're hearing those voices, whether they are in real life or in our heads or in our hearts, that we don't just take that, you know? We stand up and fight back to that too. Oh, yeah? Well, let me remind you what he did. Let me remind you who he is. Let me remind you what he's capable of. He's done this and he's done that. And, you know, he's been faithful in this. And there's nothing that he can't accomplish. So, therefore, there's nothing I can't accomplish because he's in me, you know. Um, I love that he's, he's constantly doing that. And it's just such a good reminder to us that that's exactly what we should be doing as well. And, yes, that he can find that peace that you're talking about, that that calm, that restfulness in the midst of what we know is going on here, you know, um, and if, if y'all don't know exactly what's going on right now, I encourage you to go back and watch last week's study because what he is facing um, is monumental. It's so much more than anything that we could ever be facing in our lives, but he is at a point where everyone Literally everyone is against him. Pretty much his whole kingdom, but not just his king, his family, his own son, some of his most trusted um, servants and, and friends, and um, I guess you could say allies, really, in, in his kingdom, these people that he believed in, that he trusted, and they've all turned against him. But in the midst of all of this, he has found this peace, and he's found this rest, and he's found it because he's reminded himself who God is, what he's capable of, what he's already done, and he knows that he is one of his people, and so therefore he knows he's protected. He knows that he's, as we said last week, he might be surrounded, but he's surrounded by him. So there's nothing that can penetrate that. There's nothing that can get through. Um, so, you know, think of it like, um, oh my goodness, the words just escaped me. A safe room. Think of it like a safe room. You know, people have those safe rooms built into their house in case somebody ever breaks in or there's anything, you know, any kind of tragic circumstance in your life. You get in that safe room and those doors lock down, you immediately just kind of, because you know nothing can penetrate that. You're good. He is our safer. Nothing can penetrate him. Nothing is more powerful than him. Um, there is nothing that he can't do. There is nothing that he's not capable of. And there is nothing that is going to happen to us that hasn't already sifted through his hands. So we know we're good. We know we're good. And that's where David's at right now. 
He's just realized that he's in his safe room and he's good, and that's why he's at rest and he has that peace. I think the dorm, you know, they categorize this song as a lament song, but I really didn't get lament vibes from Just in the very beginning, but um, yeah, this continuation, he's not there. But that's why I say it's a continuation. If you actually were to read it all together, they divided it into separate chapters. But he, this is still a continuance of the same prayer. The very beginning, yes, when he was crying out, it was a moment. But he's, that's why I say I get this vibe that we're still in that part right now where he's like, pumped now. <laughs> and he's, he's reminding himself, you know, there, there's no reason for me to to be upset or concerned because this is who my God is. This is what he's capable of and I'm good, you know? And I think that's that's where you're getting that peacefulness because that's where he is. He's peaceful right now. He's peaceful. He's at rest. Um, so yeah, I totally, I get that. Do you have more you want to say? Okay. Well, let's dive into songs for that. <clears throat> so we're going to start off with um, verse 1. And it says, Answer me when I call, O Elohim of my righteousness. You gave relief to me when I was in distress. Show favor to me and hear my prayer. I feel like I can... I, I already feel just almost even in that part because of the confidence. You know, like you said, there's song building up in the last one. So he's, he's already feels like he hasn't been delivered. So you could see that as that he gave him relief from like the turmoil he was feeling inside. Uh, or that if he was still in that situation, it's like he's already done this. He can get that kind of confidence. But he's basing his, uh, you know, that, that confident request for him to give him, he's basing that on the kindness and the tenderness he's already known for him. I, um, that, that's kind of my thing. I feel like he, that, that's what he is doing. It's something that we need to be better at, I guess, we're more consistent at doing ourselves, is reminding ourselves of that faithfulness. Um, because that's what's going to build our faith, that's what's going to build our trust, that's where our real peace is going to come from, is the fact that we no longer feel like we have to rely on ourselves, because no one can do better than him at this. And so we have to remind ourselves of what he's already done, his capabilities. Um, well, yeah, I got, he's, he's calling out to Yahweh once again. And again, note, I think this is so important. Again, note, he is showing proper respect. And again, he's reminding himself of Yahweh's faithfulness. He's acknowledging that Yahweh does not owe this to us. But it is, in fact, a privilege and an honor that we so often take for granted. You know, um... He says, when he says, show favor to me and hear my prayer. By saying to me, saying, show favor to me, he, he's acknowledging that this is not something we're entitled to. You know? And we we so often, not only do we take it for granted, but 
we don't even use it very often, you know? So many people only turn to him as a last resort, as a cover your butt, so to speak, you know? Like, they, they don't even believe fully that it's going to be helpful, but just in case kind of thing. But it should be the first thing you do. It should absolutely be the first thing you do, um, because he is, that, that is the most powerful weapon that you have. If you have this complete and total access to the most powerful being in the entire universe, he is the creator of everything. And think about, just stop and think about that for a moment. We have the privilege and the honor to speak directly to you to tell him our heart, to tell him our thoughts, to just pour it all out and ask him to help us with this. We have that privilege, and that, that's what he's, to me, saying here when he says, show favor to me. He's showing that he doesn't think he's entitled to this. He's not saying, do this for me. He's like, would you please show your favor to me? Because that's it. It's a privilege. And, and hear my prayer. Show favor to me and hear my prayer. He doesn't have to. It's an honor that he would listen to our prayers. Um, listen to me. Exactly. Exactly. As, as, as believers, and I think it even goes on to talk about that, or maybe it was last week I remember. As believers, we are set apart and he hears us. But no, um, it, we're not entitled to it, but he... He does answer us. He does answer us. And, but I believe that David is saying here that, you know, he, he acknowledges this is a privilege we have as believers. It, it's not an entitlement. It's a privilege that we have. And he honors us by doing that, by hearing us and by answering us. One of the themes I was kind of picking up with is what the distinction between Yes. Whether it be a, a personal peace or, or just the way we conduct our lives, I thought like that was kind of the theme. Very good point. Talking about personal peace, because again, you know that that's one of the things that does set us apart, that make that draws people to Him through us. Um, you know, as is often said, it's not what we say, but it's how we live our lives. That is our testimony. That's what shines his light. That's what draws people to him. Seeing someone have such peace in the midst of circumstances like David is in right now, people see that and they want that. They want to know what does he have that enables him to do this because I want some of that. And I think it's very much applicable to where we are right now. You know, there is so much going on in this world right now that is distressing, that is, there's just so much anger and so much bitterness and so much worry and so much strife, so much evilness and wickedness going on right now that it'd be so easy to just get under that or worse, join them. You know, so easy to fall into that. But if you can maintain your peace in the midst of that, better yet, your joy in the midst of that, people are drawn to that, and they want to know what your secret is. They want to know how 
you're capable of doing that in the midst of all of this going on. And that's when you have that special invitation or that special chance to tell people, it's him. It's him. And you can't have that. He's just waiting. You can have that. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right in that this, this peace sets David apart. Believers have access to that when they reach the point that David had, that they trust him completely. They have that faith in him. Um, and I do believe that he really experiences that so much because, as you can see, he's constantly reminding himself of God's faithfulness. And I don't think we do it enough. Um, and as, when I say we, I mean everybody as a whole. <laughs> but I don't think we do that often enough. Isn't that a little crazy in the, in the title he was addressing him? He said, oh, my righteousness. He was acknowledging who he is and that any righteousness that he had. Was, you know, exactly. That's why he's different to the people. Exactly. Uh, on our own, no, we could never have that. On our own, we are nothing, and we would just totally, utterly fail, which is shown every time we try to do things on our own. <laughs> That's when things start going very wrong, is when we try to do it on our own. Um, and, and I think he acknowledges that quite often. And that's what I mean um, when I say he's showing proper respect. That's another thing that he consistently does, is points out um, how much higher and superior, more superior that Yahweh is and how he acknowledges that he would not have the things he has, he would not be where he's at, he's not capable without him. Um, which is another thing that I think we just don't do enough of. We get so comfortable and complacent. And while it's good to have that comfortable relationship with him, I think sometimes we get too comfortable and complacent and we forget to show the respect that he deserves. We forget to... Um, acknowledge that we wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't be who we are. Um, we are not capable of accomplishing anything without him. And I think we need to do more of that, not only to show proper respect, but to remind ourselves on our own Yes, our righteousness completely comes from him, and yes, it is because he loves us. Mm. Okay, did you have more you want to add to that? Okay, then let's move on to verse 2. It says, Till when, O you sons of men, would you turn my esteem to shame? Would you love emptiness, seek Falsehood, Selah. That's such a loaded verse, but um, <laughs> but I was slightly distracted before that wife was saying that she was reminded of the got milk commercial. Oh, I think maybe she's saying you've got Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what she's referring to. I think I could be wrong, so. but she I might just be thinking about milk. <laughs> she's not a big fan of milk. So yeah, probably she not. probably. <laughs> All right. 
Got, yeah, that is what she says. Then find him and start to abide and relate to him. Amen. Yes. Yes. We should make a, a shirt. Even if it's got him, are you doing anything with him? Mm. You might have milk in the fridge, but do you drink it? Very good point. Doesn't do you a whole lot of good just sitting on the shelf, does it? Um, yes. We and that that is a very possible thing. You know, we can we can um, ask Jesus to come into our lives. We can invite him into our hearts. We can ask forgiveness. We can be saved, but still not experience the rich blessings of a relationship with him because we're not doing anything with him. And that's a sad, sad place to be. It really is. And sadly, there are so many there, though, because they... You ask them, you know, do they know Jesus? Are they saved? And they say yes, but they still don't understand why they're not experiencing this rest and this peace and this joy that others are and that we're talking about. And the reason is because they're not in this place that David is right now. They, they don't have that faith and that trust there because they don't know him well enough because they haven't had a relationship with him. To truly know his character and understand him so that you fully not only know but just I guess the best way to put it is know within your spirit and your heart and your soul that he's God that there's no doubt lingering in your mind um, you know because of who he is uh, that's a good point <laughs> yeah well, I feel very good well, she was saying to God, Jesus, but the point about not, you know, are you actually using him? <laughs> not just leaving it on the shelf. That's a very good point. Very good point. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so now that we fully went, <laughs> we do have that access to him. Exactly. We need to use it. That's just yeah. it. He's there. He's waiting. He hasn't gone anywhere. Um, we just need to use it. Now, Jesus can't expire, but <laughs> you can um, do things like, you know, get so, like, neglect the spirit so much that you don't hear it. Very true. You know, as they say, it, if you feel like you're distanced from him, um, he didn't move, you did. And the further we move away, the less we can hear him. Um, and when it gets to a point, you know, that you no longer feel that check in your spirit about certain things. You're not hearing him anymore, and that means that you've moved way too far away. Other things have started to creep into your life that are drowning him out. Um, and probably because you've allowed those things to start speaking louder and louder and louder until you can't hear him anymore. Um, but how you start to hear him more is how much time you're spending with him and how much more you know about him. Because the more you know about him, the more you recognize his voice. You know, a lot of people have that question, how do I know that it's God that I'm hearing and not just me? It's not my own thoughts. How do you know? Because you line it up against who he is, his very character. You know your own character and your own thoughts. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know our own wants and our own desires and our own feelings. But do you know his? 
And you only know his by getting into his word, reading and learning about who he is. That's why I often say when you're meditating on these verses, ask yourselves, what can I learn about him from this? And I think even though David is writing these, I think it teaches us so much about the character of God. We're reading it. And the more you spend learning about his character and in relationship through your prayers to him, your time with him, talking to him, and his faithfulness, um, the more that you recognize his presence, the more you recognize uh, when he is speaking, the more you recognize his voice. But you can't do that if you're not using that invitation that she's talking about, the fact that he's right there and we have access to him all the time, which again is an amazing thing. I mean, think about it. We would get amazingly excited if, uh, say, King, Queen, the President, made their self available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to come to them with anything we wanted to come to them about. But he is the king of all kings. He is the supreme being, and he's done that. And so often we just take that for granted, and, and we don't even use it. And that's what I mean when she's like, you know, we have access to him, but so often we don't put it to use. Or we um, relegate it to a last resort. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, it's just like, really? Yeah, it's ridiculous how easy it is to, to forget or not fully understand that. Not fully appreciate it. Because I don't know about you, but I get so humbled when I think about that. It's just like, wow. Wow, <laughs> he gave that to me, me, little bitty insignificant me, in all of this world, of all of these people, people who are so much more deserving, but that's just it, we don't deserve it, he gives it to us anyway. That is how much he loves us, and then that thought is so humbling, he loves us that much in spite of our shortcomings and our failings. And he wants to help us to become what he created us to be. But we can only get that through relationship with him. And so he has provided this way for that. And that to me is the most humbling thing is that the thing he wants from us most is a relationship with us. That is beautiful. Think about it. In most of the relationships that you have in your life, the other person always gets something from you. And, and sadly, a lot of times you have to question, what is it that they're wanting from you? You always feel like there's something that you have to give. But with him, there's nothing we could give him that he doesn't already have. The only thing he wants from us is our love. He wants relationship with us. That is it. That is it. I mean, and as human beings... Are we not built that way too? Again, we were created in His image. All we want is love. Every relationship in our life, that's what we're seeking. We are seeking that closeness, that intimacy, and that love. And that is all that He wants from us. So it's, it's perfection, that relationship. He's offering us His love, and He wants us to offer Him ours. And that is it. There's nothing else that we need. But we spend so much of our time here on earth 
seeking it from anything and everything else. And then that's why we experience so much hurt and so much disappointment. Um, is because we can't get that perfect love from anyone or anything else. But all we have to do is look at him. <clears throat> I just went off on a tangent there. I'm sorry, my head just <laughs> there. Well, you know, I was listening to a, a sermon that kind of put that thought in my head the other day. I don't know if y'all ever listened to Dan Moeller. Um, my mom told me about him, and I was listening to one of his, his sermons um, from the Steadfast Conference. And he said something. It was one of those things that's so simple. And so obvious, but just so thought-provoking and just kind of blows your mind and changes. It's that perspective once again. I'm telling you I need to get a shirt made. Perspective is everything. Okay, it's perspective. Um, it really put everything in perspective. And he was talking about the fact that nobody, no one on this entire earth owes us anything. We are not entitled to anything. We tend to have these thoughts in our heads that because there are parents, because there are children, because there are spouses, uh, because there are best friends, or that they owe us something, that we are entitled to something from these people. So we have these expectations of what we should get from them. And then because we have these expectations, we experience hurt, pain, frustration, disappointment, discontentment because we're not getting what we think we're entitled to, what we're expecting. But we were not. We were put on this earth to serve, not to be served. So if we could get the thought in our head, firmly in our head, that we are entitled to nothing and that our only job on this earth is to serve, then guess what? You can't, you don't experience that anymore. It can't hurt you, frustrate you, disappoint you, cause discontentment if the only person you're seeking that love and acceptance from is him. And you are doing what he commanded you to do, and that is serve. It removes all of that. It was just mind-blowing. <laughs> like, I kind of knew this, but I just like, it's like when somebody just says something in just the right way that that light bulb pops on, and it's like, wow. That's what it did for me. And, um, oh, she, she said like mine. She just thought that too. Um, yeah, when we're in relationships, we have expectations, and that's just it. We feel like, and I, I think once again, it's a thought that the world has put into our mind that this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, that just because you're in this specific relationship that you have certain, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, rules and regulations that, that this person now has to do because they are that to you, whatever their role is in your life. And there's no way that it ever says that. Read the Bible from beginning to end. It says that you are supposed to serve. And once again, if you are living according to the way that Christ tells us to, then guess what? 
you would both be serving each other and there would be complete harmony in that relationship. Which is why it's a red flag when someone starts to feel discontentment. Usually that means that either you are acting in a way that you shouldn't or you have put expectations out there that you shouldn't have. You're seeking it from someone that you shouldn't. It's great when we have these wonderful relationships and we have people that love us and accept us, but no one can love us like he does and no one can accept us like he does. And we were created and designed to yearn for that love and that acceptance, which is why no one else can need it. Because no one else can do what he does. You'll never feel completely and totally at peace. You'll never experience that complete and total joy in your life. You will never find that rest until you're seeking your love and acceptance from it. Definitely feel that. Like, I we really, all are. <laughs> I feel you know, definitely let down. If I feel like someone, if I feel like they don't really want to give me attention, sometimes I'm like enough. And of course, I expect to be like true. Well, I'm not saying that, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are no surprise. And, you know, I, I see that so much these days when I'm reading that the very reason that he chose to put what he did in his word is because he already knew that this is how we were going to be in advance. So he wanted to provide for that so that we would see this and we would understand. Yes, we are no surprise to him. And yes, he, it's amazing that he still loves us anyway. Uh, especially because we, we tend to continue to make these same mistakes over and over and over again, no matter how many times he's told us. And he still loves us. And he still tries to patiently and lovingly redirect us again and again. But yes, what you were saying, um, yeah. I, I'm not saying that, that we should allow people to uh, treat us as doormats or certainly not any form of abuse or anything like that, but just a normal, regular situation in a relationship. We have expectations of people just because they are related to us or because they're our spouse or because they're our best friends or we have these certain expectations of that role that we place on people and when they can't or won't meet those we start to get upset and you know what really a lot about it is it's pride we feel like we deserve better than that we put these expectations and we feel like we deserve to be treated better than that that's where I try to remind myself, and I'm very bad about it in those moments, but I try to remind myself, look at who Jesus was. Look how he was treated. He was perfect. He was the son of God. He treated everyone with love and honor and respect and look what, how he was treated. But did he get prideful and puffed up about it? He did just the opposite on that. He cried out to his father and said, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's our example. That's what we're supposed to be following. 
we're supposed to try to be like that. <laughs> That's a tall order, but you know what? We are capable of doing it. Why? Because he was capable of doing it. And that is the reason he walked this earth, was to show us that even in flesh and blood form, you are capable with him, with him, not on our own. We are absolutely incapable on our own, but with him in us, we are capable of doing that. We just tend to let that pride override a lot of times. We, we let those emotions override. And it's such a hard thing to remind ourselves that, you know, those are our expectations. They are not our rights. We are not entitled. We are here to serve. We are here to love. End of story. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, I, I've, I've offended some people sometimes, upset some people for telling them things like that. Um, some people think I'm deluded. It's even been implied that I'm a doormat <laughs> because I feel that way. But read the word. It's there. It's what it tells us. And I just, I thought that was so thought-provoking when I was listening to that sermon the other night. Um, I even had to stop it for a while and ponder that <laughs> a little bit before I move on. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that just made me think of that. Anyway, I'm sorry if I interrupted you. Were you not huh? Oh, okay. I, I couldn't remember whether you had finished or not. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I feel like I understand what they were just talking about. Um, it mostly makes me think of unbelievers, people who live just very, you know, very worldly lives, just very temporal in, in the world. And um, when they don't believe what we believe, you know, Christianity is I mean, probably one of the top beliefs to be shamed. He was talking about turning my esteem to shame and that's the most honorable and wonderful thing in your life. You actually have a relationship with that creator and they try to turn it into something shameful. They try to make you um, feel bad because an ideal that you support clashes with a worldly ideal. So, uh, you know, they would paint you to be doing something wrong yourself in that belief or, you know, that that makes you ignorant or stupid or hypocritical or whatever it may be. That would be the <coughs> sorry, thought I have with that. And when he talks about the uh, love and emptiness and speaking falsehood, you know, chasing after idols and um Yeah, see seeking after like Lies that could be multiple things. I mean, uh, the images could be applied as a lie. You look for things like that to bring what you would consider truth or validation or satisfaction. That's where they're <laughs> Exactly. <clears throat> so it's just like, how long, like, how far are you going to go with this? I'm just thinking about these people and knowing the truth, knowing what he has. What exactly is sad? It's sad when you, you realize, you know, as she was saying earlier, um, <clears throat> that we have this access right there, readily available to us, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and people 
are living the way that they are living and feeling the way that they are feeling and they don't have to but they choose to chase after this this empty false fake these things you know that's all they are is things um thinking that that's going to give them the hope that they want or the happiness that they want or the joy that they want and it's not it's so temporal and often just makes things worse um you know and and i can imagine david feeling that sadness i i've seen that with people and i have felt that same sadness because you want so badly for them to have it too but they just don't see it and, yeah. and it's it's right there all they have to do is reach out and grab it but they won't that's what actually makes the song a lament when I think about it. It's, it's more of a lament for those people that don't understand. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the gospel, kind of act like they're doing something to them. But it's because we care about them. We know what this is and we want other people to have it for a reason. Yeah, sadly, you're. that's very true. Sadly, um... You know, you're trying to share the good news, you know, because to you it is good news. It's, it's amazing news, and you're trying to offer them something that is a gift, a priceless, precious gift. And so often they respond as if you're doing something to them, you know, like you're attacking them in some way. They get so offended and upset. Um, and I can only think that's the enemy at work because, you know, it's kind of like um, I was telling you about that video I watched about the preacher that was going out into the riot and he was trying to tell them that you know God loved them and Jesus loved them and he loved them. these people reacted in such a horribly violent vicious way to him and the one thing that he said really spoke to me he said how can you hate me you don't even know me the only thing that they knew about him was he speaking the name of Jesus that that the name of Jesus would bring up feelings of offense, attack, or hatred. That's the enemy there. That that's evil coming up in there. If that is the only thing that you know about someone is that they're speaking the name of Jesus and you are offended by this, you feel attacked by this, um, you feel hatred for this person or dislike for this person. That's the enemy at work there. And there's no other explanation for that because you don't know them. <laughs> you know? Um, that was kind of a, a, a scary thought, you know, that, 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 that is so often the fact. We are often hesitant to even bring up Jesus with people that we don't really know because of fear of what their response will be. And that's a really messed up thing because why? Why would we automatically think that that's a possibility? Because it's so prevalent. In our world, it is far more likely for a person to be upset or offended because you mentioned Jesus to them than for them to be joyful and glad. It doesn't even make sense to have that kind of good news. And you expect everyone to be like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I'll have to do that. <laughs> I got a lot. Yeah. It still didn't work. <laughs> you, 
I think, yes, I agree. I think you want to fight. There we go. You all moved on. No, I get what you're saying. I get exactly what you're saying. Yes, we're supposed to be humble, but we're not supposed to be doormats. Um, and I think Jesus was a perfect example of that even too, you know. Um, we see many instances where he was not a doormat. He wasn't taken advantage of. I mean, look at what he did with the temple. Okay. He definitely um, pulled people off and put them in their place. Exactly. He, he was not a doormat by any means. But by the same token, here he is walking on this earth as the son of God. Everything on this earth was given to him. He had every right, if he wanted to be, to be puffed up and prideful. You know, many would have been and were, but he was not. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people didn't believe he was who he said he was, because he didn't act like it. He didn't do the things that people would expect him to do. He didn't act the way that people expected him to act. Um, he was humble, and he was meek. Um, and I don't think they expected that, you know? Once again, they had their worldly expectations just like we do. Um, they, they had their social uh, mannerisms, you know, that one would expect. And I don't think he added up to that in their eyes. And, and I think that did play into part of why they didn't believe he was who he said he was. Yes, you're right, exactly. Expectations, once again. Expectations get us in trouble so, so often. Um... Matter of fact, I think one of my very first teachings on this page was on expectations. That comes up a lot. <laughs> it comes up a lot. We, we tend to put a lot of expectations out there, and they tend to get us in trouble. We've got to learn to wrap our heads around no expectations. I just realized I got off the camera again. Um, I know. <laughs> um, Junior's just sleeping under the table, by the way. He seems to um, were, was that all you had for two? The only other thing I could notice is that there is a Salem there. <laughs> um, which I think kind of makes sense after that question. If you were to, uh, if you were like actually talking to these people, and you were like, did you pursue this emptiness in life for so long? Think about it. <laughs> think about that, yeah, exactly. Whether it's about you, yourself, or someone that you know, um, think about that. Um, because something... Something's not right there. Either there's not full understanding of what is available to you or that it's available to you. Or there's something not right within your spirit and your being. You know? Um, either way, something needs to be done there. So, yeah, think about that. Good point. Good point. Um, I had a slightly different perspective at the beginning absolutely get what you're saying there um but where it said um about turning his esteem to shame i was thinking about back at the um the end of the last one where or probably the mid either way last week's chapter um where he was talking about the fact that people were telling him that yahweh wouldn't do anything for him you know, like he was too far gone. He was too wrong. That's the way I took it when he said, turn my esteem to shame, tearing him down his reputation. That, that he was not, um, 
he was not worthy of, of Yahweh's help, that even he would turn his back on him. He was that bad. So his esteem that he had was being turned to shame publicly, that these people were spreading this, that they were saying it to people. I can see both, though. I absolutely could see both. And that's what I love about this is that, you know, there are so many meanings, so many levels in here that you can get from that. Um, and then I pretty much got the same thing as you on the, the emptiness is that, you know, loving things that have no worth, they have no value, they have no substance, they have no meaning. That That is such a disease in this world today that that's what everybody's chasing after that's where they think they can find their happiness their success their wealth um that they'll have peace and joy in their life if they chase after these things but these things don't last they don't last and he sees that um they're seeking things that are not true they're not real they're just an illusion it's just an illusion, and, and that, that's what people are, are chasing after. Because the thing is, you know, when everything is all said and done, those things, they don't go with you. Those things, they're not going to save you. Those things are not going to help you. They're not real. They're just The only thing that's real is Him and your relationship with Him, and that's the only thing that you can take with you. It's the only thing that's going to save you. It's the only thing that you can count on. Um, it's the only thing that's going to give you that real peace and that real joy that you need. It's solid. You know, people say that uh, they, they can't believe in God because He's not tangible. But you know what? If you have a relationship with Him, He is. Because you can feel Him. You can see Him in your life. You can see Him at work in your life. You can see the evidence of everything that He is. So He is tangible if you truly have that relationship with Him. Far more. You know, this cup. I can see this cup. I can touch that cup. But you know what? It really doesn't do a whole lot for me. So... I would say he's far more tangible if you really have that relationship with him. And this cup, I can drop this cup and I can break this cup and just like that. My cup doesn't make you think or feel new things. It doesn't make me feel safe. It doesn't make me feel loved. It doesn't protect me. It doesn't, you know, really help me. It can be easily replaced and it can be easily lost. I would say he's far more tangible than that. That's all I have for two. <laughs> so I guess we can move on to three. <clears throat> it says, But know that Yahweh hath separated a lovingly committed one for himself. Yahweh hears when I call to him. Lovingly committed. I don't think about that phrase. I know, right? <laughs> And I'm pretty sure it's different from the King James version. Yeah. It doesn't have like the same connotation or impact. It, it doesn't invoke that feeling, you know, that, that he's, once again, it's such a humbling thought. He's lovingly committed. He loves us. He's committed to us. And he wants us 
to love him and be committed to him. Yes, faithfulness can be interchangeable with that, but it's not quite... I guess you look at it like this. You can be a faithful employee, right? That, that means that, you know, you have this job, you feel an obligation to be there because you contracted to that. That's not the same thing as doing it because you love them, you're committed to them because you love them. To me, that's the difference there. Um, he doesn't want us to do something out of repetition, obligation, um, going through the motions, following the laws, works. He wants a loving commitment from us, and that is what his people, his real true people give him, just like we have from him. It, it's reciprocal. Um, so yeah, to me that's the meaning. It changes. It changes everything. And this is poetry once again. And like the the words you choose can be important because they can give you a particular connotation or picture, depending on the word you use, even if it's very simple. Just a word like lovingly. Right away, you just feel the word. Mm -hmm. Like about people you love and people you love. Friends and all really feeling of yeah, I mean, a loving commitment versus an obligatory commitment is two totally different things. <laughs> it makes you feel two totally different ways. And yeah, I, I do find that the, the wording, a lot of times I feel such, once again, an intimacy in the words in this translation. and. This one leaves me feeling kind of cold. It's like it removed that warmth, that intimacy there. Still basically means the same thing. It just takes that away. <clears throat> this is really getting into what we were talking about, about the distinction and how, as believers, we have a special delight and a special assurance knowing that we belong to him and he calls us ours and departing that way and so he wants to listen to us and act for us is hearing us and it's also kind of an echo of earlier in the song mm -hmm. because he was like asking him to hear him like he does hear me <laughs> yeah and, and to me that's more of that that faith building thing you know right he does hear me you know especially i think it's also kind of a, a response to the fact you know that they said that he was too far gone. He wouldn't help him. He wouldn't listen to me. He Shemaine does hear me. <laughs> you know? Well, Shemaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, he's done this and he's done that. He's like, he does hear me. You know? Um, and I love that. You know? Again, that, that's where we should be. That We should be able to do that, too. We, we have all the evidence that we need. Um, we just have to call it to mind. We have to um, allow his spirit to come to the front and fight, you know. And and when I say fight, I don't necessarily mean, you know, like with others, but it's a spiritual battle going on within us at these times. When we're going through these, these trials and this turmoil, we have voices in our head and voices within ourselves and that is very much a spiritual battle that's going on and it will totally affect 
your perspective and your peace of mind. And you've got to decide which one you're going to listen to more. Um, and I think when we remind ourselves of that, number one, who's actually the voice that we're hearing in our head, um, and then we remind ourselves that David is doing here, that you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. I know he hears me. I have evidence that he hears me. I know who I belong to. And because I belong to him, he's told me. He will hear me. <clears throat> he will answer me. He will uh, protect me and fight for me. He will fight for me. And then the second you remind yourself of that, it's on it. <laughs> you know? There's nothing else to worry about anymore because he's fighting for you. That's when that peace and that joy should come in and that like I said to me he's pumped at this point that's where that pumped up feeling should be like you know what I don't have a thing in the world to worry about because he's we need more of that yes we do <laughs> yes we do and now I kind of want to hear a rap battle between David and Schmidt <laughs> yeah that would be interesting <laughs> I think David would get into that battle <laughs> Yeah. Did you have more? Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't have too much to add. Mine's pretty much the same thing. I was, you know, when we're in relationship with him, we are committed to him. And, and that's what he's seeking from us the most is commitment. Um, but as it specifies, a loving commitment, not obligatory, not going through the motions. Because um, think about it, if you're going through the motions, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about how in a lot of relationships you're, you're doing it in the expectation of getting something in return. You know, once again, just like if you were a faithful employee, why are you a faithful employee? Because you want that check faithfully. <laughs> so you're going through the motions of what you are obligated to do in order to get that paycheck at the end of the week. He doesn't want that kind of faithfulness. He wants a lovely commitment. He wants us to be committed to him because we love him. So we do the things that are <clears throat> told to us because we love him. Not because we feel obligated to, but because we love him. And so we want to express that. So when we're committed to him, what it to me is saying here, you know, when he says that um, he separated us apart for himself. That's the part that really got me. For himself. We belong to him. You know, to some people, that they might take that in an offensive way. You know, they belong to somebody. But that is not the way I take it at all. And think about it. If you're in a loving, committed relationship, you love that phrase. Think about, like, with your spouse. You belong to them. They, they're yours. Or you are theirs. Excuse me. And... They belong to you. They are yours. You've given yourself completely to them. That's what it's like with the king of kings, the supreme creator of everything we belong to him. We have a, a relationship with him. He's given his heart to us completely, and we've given ours to him completely. It's an amazing, an amazing feeling when you realize that we belong to him, but guess what? He belongs to us too. 
he gave us his heart totally. And, and far more in any way than our human minds can even comprehend. He's given himself over to us in every way possible. Um, that is an amazing, amazing feeling. And if you can just wrap your head around that and think about in spite of all of our failings, in spite of all of our shortcomings, in spite of how many times we ignored him or we went against him, he still has given himself over completely to us. And all he wants in return is for us to do the same. Just love him the same way. Love him back as best we can in our human form. Um, that's an amazing. We, we belong to him. And because that, he hears when we call out to him. He hears and he listens. And even more amazing than that, he cares. He cares. So that's what I got from that one. <laughs> I don't know why I was going to the book on the page today. It was about the one. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love when that happens. <laughs> about, you know, considering yourself as belonging to him before that means more you know, than belonging in any other relationship that you have or that you care about. He created us. It should be that way. Um, you know, if we look at him in that way, and I often look at it just like I often try to look at it from the perspective of a parent to a child, because he is. But you can also look at it Marriage was created to be a earthly representation of our relationship to Christ. You know, that's why he's often referred to as the bridegroom, and we are the bride. Um, in the, the form that it was created to be, a marriage should be a representation of this relationship. Um, so when it says, you know, that often think about that you know to me that that's not meant to be like a master slave kind of thing you belong to me no it's meant to be a loving commitment I'm giving my everything to you all that I am all that I can be I'm giving that to you for you that's what he's done for us and that's what he wants in return and that's an amazing feeling, you know, that, that he, he wants that from me, from me. You know, he could have so much better. He deserves so much better, but he wants me. That's just, yeah. How can you not love him and want to give me all the him? It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it's absolutely mind-blowing. And, yeah, how does that not fill you with joy? <laughs> all in itself, you know. Um, that he loves me like that, that, you know, and, and he's already proven it. When, when he sent Jesus to die for us, to save us, in spite of what we do, he proved his amazing love for us. And when you think of that one in perspective of a parent, yeah. There's just, there's nothing that we could ever do on this earth that would equal that kind of love. But we can sure try. <laughs> and that's the thing. We can sure try.
Okay, so on to verse 4. Tremble and do not sin. And yes, I know that that's a different interpretation and something I want to point out with that one too. But tremble and do not sin. Speak within your heart on your bed and be still. Say love. So what you got? <laughs> well, you can see part of where I was going with the bed thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that might be where you were going with that. Yeah. But, um, so it does say the term Does it make a note about Well, I was looking because I often compare being awe. Yes. Um, I often compare this translation to the King James um, person perspective of that. And I, I do think it kind of gives a totally different meaning because what she's saying is being awe. That's what she was saying. Yeah, just saying to when, when it says to fear God, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be scared of him, but to, to give him the respect of what you know he's capable of. Um, kind of the way that you would a king, a sovereign, or even a parent, you know, and they're not, you shouldn't be afraid of your parents, but you should be very well aware of what your parents are capable of and give them the respect that they deserve because of that. And it, it, it that way and even more so with him. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. Be aware of what he's done and what he is capable of doing and show him that respect. So when they say tremble, what they mean, you know, and respect who he is, you know, that, that's basically what they got. Um, to me, when it says be angry, and I'm like, I don't quite get <laughs> how be angry fits here. Um, <laughs> I can only see it as be angry with yourself when you realize what you've been doing and how you've been living. But maybe it does yeah. make a mark, it says, or tremble. They didn't know what choice to interpret it, and they went with the angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little confusing to me, but yes, I can get your point there. Uh, I guess you could look at it that way. It feels like David is now imparting his advice on what he would say to these people, and you know, now it is just. Well, many, many years has been out for everyone to read, so perhaps he knew. You know, who knows who's going to read this to see this? It's my advice to you. So we have a, like a positive and a negative. Tremble and Janice watching. Oh, hi, this. <laughs> Tremble and do not sin. So I think. That you're right, it's like, you know, you realize <laughs> who that is, what he does, what he's capable of, and that you, you just, when it hits you, how short you've fallen, um, how much you've missed the mark. I guess pretty much all of us have had times like in this It's yeah. not necessarily the people who didn't believe in him, and now they do. Anybody in that situation, when you just, to realize how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is to do not Well, that's the obvious first thing. <laughs> Let go of whatever it is that you've been doing that you've been so far away. Turn from it. 
on your bed and flexing your arms and being still and you can stay a while just breathing. Um Yeah, just take that take that moment, take that quiet before you sleep, just let it sink into you and let your heart be open to him and listen to his instruction. And you humble yourself before him and you just just listen and still he'll show you what to do. Exactly. And, and our minds obviously went the same way on that one because I kind of ended with that same thing. Hmm? Oh, um, well, obviously I started off with, you know, tremble to fear Yahweh as a matter of respect. Respect who he is and the power he has and do not go against him. Sinning, of course, is going against him. Um, do not sin. Turn away from that sin. If you realize, you know, that you have done something wrong, go to him with a proper respect, confess it, ask forgiveness for it, and then turn away from it. That, that's the biggest thing. Pray to him and talk to him. Even if it's just in your heart, you know, it's kind of what I got with being still on your bed, you know, and, and um, let's just speak within your heart on your bed. He knows what's in our hearts. Okay, we, we don't have to, you know, um, have all these flowery, fancy words and these long, elegant prayers. He knows what's in our heart. And to me, that is comforting. That is so comforting because even when we don't have the words, we can just cry out and he knows what's in our hearts. You never have to be afraid to tell him. Exactly. And he already knows anyway, you know, and... and he just wants us to tell him. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to pour it out. And I love that. And once again, to me, that, that paints that picture of that loving, committed relationship. If you know that someone that you love is in pain and they're going through something, do you not want them to come to you? Even if you already know what's going on, do you not want them to come to you and pour that out so you can comfort them, so that you can help them? Um, We're not frustrated if you know it and they're just acting like nothing's happening not even opening up to you to help them. Um, <laughs> so do you think Moses was trembling or in awe when he was spoke to from a burning bush and he was told to move his shoes because he was standing on holy ground? Yeah, Probably. I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. Um, I, I might be questioning my sanity at the moment too. I don't know, but yeah, I think I'd be trembling just a little bit. Um, but then it says, be still, be still. What is it? It means listen. Listen. So often, um, we, we use him as a sounding board. We just go to him and we tell him all this stuff, but we don't stop and listen. So be still. Open your heart and let him speak to it. And listen, truly listen to all he has to say. Let him love on you. It's what he wants to do. Let him love on you. Let him minister to your hurts and guide and direct you and chastise you if you need it. Let him do it and listen. Not hear. There's a difference. Listen. It's an active thing, not a passive thing. When we go to prayer, it shouldn't be a passive thing. It should be an active thing. It's um, a weapon. It's a tool. Think of it like if you were going to talk to someone that you were in a relationship with. 
do you expect that person to just sit there like an inanimate object and you just talk at them and you're like, okay, got that out now and you walk away? No. I could do that with a wall or this cup once again. Go back to this cup. You know? That it, it, it should be interactive. Um, you should be actively seeking reciprocation from that person. That's what makes it a relationship is that, you know, it, it's from both sides. And too often we don't look at it that way. We don't go into it that way. We use him as a sounding board, like he's an inanimate object just sitting there um, for us to bounce things off of or to vent to or, you know, we, we don't stop and listen and give him a chance to speak. Um, we say what we want to say and then we go on about our business, usually, which involves us still keeping it in our hands trying to fix it and so then people ask well you know did you pray about it? yeah 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 but did you did you pray about it or did you just vent did you just complain did you just gripe because if you actually prayed there should have been some listening time in there and you would probably feel better about this you know as, as David showed so plainly when he slept <laughs> if you really prayed if you listened guess what you should have some peace about this Instead of still be tied up in knots and all err and wringing your hands and still trying to figure out or still trying to go to other people to figure out what you should do. Because nobody knows better what you should do than he does. So if you really listened, you should have some peace about this. So I think that's what he's trying to say here when he says be still. Um he's telling you now that you've spoken whether it's within your heart or out loud, now that you've spoken to him, be still, listen. Lay there and listen. Um, anyway, that's what I got before. I just said I think there should be, like, a book or something on the Psalms and it's called Say Wild Eat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be so awesome. You should write that. <laughs> you should write that. <laughs> or, or do a podcast or something on that. Yeah, so, something with a title to the title that should be called Shamelessly because I'm just begging to do that. Yes, yes, it is. Um, okay, number five Slaughter, slaughterings of righteousness and trust in Yahweh. Um, I realize that, again, that's a different interpretation. Yeah, she said just write it. <laughs> yes, write it. <laughs> you need to. Um, you get some yeah. <laughs> um, I realize, again, that mine says something different. But what it's referring to here when it says slaughter, slaughtering, is making sacrifices. Because back in those days, you know, they still did the sacrifices. But basically what, you know, I get that it's saying there is do what you need to do. Do what he tells you to do and trust in him. That's what I'm getting from that, you know. He says the, the, the slaughterings and everything, those were sacrifices, those were offerings that they were told to do back in that back then. Um, in repentance or making atonement for sins that they had committed. So basically he's saying, Do what you're supposed to do, what you need to do. In our day, that would mean confess it. Repent of it, both to Yahweh and if it involves other people, to them. 
and then turn away from it and trust him. Whatever your situation might be, trust him. I thought that was pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> well, that is a good summation uh, because I guess that's kind of a, a part where people might like stop applying it to themselves. Like, well, I'm not going to go slaughter a cow today. <laughs> but yes, that is basically just what you should do, what he tells you to do in your reflection time, whatever he told you. Make it right. <clears throat> so that's like the uh, conclusion of his advice. Sort of what he would be telling these before his job is people now. Encouraging them towards a, a positive action. And actually, this glanced down in my notes, I remember this, I forgot about this. Um, it, if you look at a kind of a, a balance to what he was saying these people did before, um, he's encouraging them to, you know, to act in love for Yahweh instead of being love for the worthlessness that they were chasing after, and to trust him instead of trusting in people. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Which really, if you think about it, when we continue to call this person and call that person and uh you know I had this thought come into my head the other day you ever heard the the phrase take it to the throne before the phone and okay well they they have that one and then I thought you know um take it to the holy ghost before you post um Take it to his feet before you tweet. <laughs> you know, I had this whole thing coming into my head because I thought, you know, that is what people do now. They want to tweet about it. They want to post about it. They want to text somebody about it. They want to call somebody about it. But they go to anybody and everybody else first before they go to him. But what you were just saying, that's, that's intimate. Does that mean that people can't give you some good advice? Of course they can Chances are, though, you're not going to listen to it anyway, because if you really wanted good advice, if you were really, truly seeking advice, you would have went to him already. Chances are you're just wanting to vent. You're mad. You're frustrated. You're upset. You're worried. Whatever it is. And you're just wanting to put it out there. And nine times out of ten, if we're all honest with ourselves, what we're really wanting is somebody to say, yeah, <laughs> right along with you, <laughs> you know. They, they want you to jump on that bandwagon, but the problem with that is, is it's just stoking the fire. It's not helping anything. It's not solving anything. It's not fixing anything. Um, it's, it's empty. It's completely empty. And it's divisive, really, if you think about it. But it's exactly what you're saying. You're, you're chasing that emptiness. Instead of um, seeking that that truth, that reality that he can give us in the situation, he can make things. You know, I was talking about before how when you, when our pride and especially those emotions start coming into play, which is often what's going on when we start doing these things, um, it kind of creates a, an illusion in front of us of how things really are. But then when we start to remind ourselves of his word, it's like 
it's just removed right in front of like you just wipe it away and you see the truth of the situation um that is what we should be seeking that truth not those empty things and that's what you know Social media has its good things, you know, like what we're able to do here right now. We wouldn't be able to do this right now without social media. But it also has a lot of bad things. And I think it, it helps people to continue to chase after that emptiness in a lot of ways by giving us so many platforms to to vent and use as sounding boards and to spread gossip, to spread rumors, to... Uh, spread lies even um, to create divisiveness, you know, and really there's an irony in that because social media was supposedly created to unite people more, but in so many ways it has divided people more because people are a lot braver behind those screens to say what they want to say than they would be into somebody's face. And why would you want to do that anyway? I mean, that, that, that divisiveness, it just, you know, and, and those empty things that we chase after, think about how many of those things actually do separate us and create a division. You know, like when you're staring at the phone, when your loved one is sitting right there, or you're behind the computer screen, or the video games, or, you know, so many of the things that people chase after looking for this fulfillment this acceptance, this relationship, um, e even alcohol, drugs, um, so many different things. And some things can even be good things, but it's too much. It's too much. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I might have went off a little too much there on where you were going, but that's what it made me think when you said still seeking that emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember anything right there, like, it's not that you, I don't know, like, shouldn't have a screen, shouldn't drink wine or something, and, and it's not, like, you shouldn't have a cup, because it has no <laughs> ultimate worth. Any of those things, it's just, yeah, it's the moderation, it's the priority, and you can't, like, make that your goal or your, your big thing or everything else. You, you shouldn't misplace the actual value. Well, you have to put things, have your priorities straight, in other words. You know, they, these things should not take prominence in your life. They should not take priority over him or the people in your life. Um, keep your priorities straight, him first. And if you're married, your spouse second, and then your family third. These are the priorities in your life. He sets that up. You have to keep that in perspective. But ultimately, the only realness, the only truth that you are going to find is going to be from him. So if you're going after everything else trying to find that, good luck with that because it's not going to happen. Um, you're chasing emptiness is all you're doing. If you're looking for fulfillment in anything else, you are chasing emptiness. And even in other people. Because they cannot give you what he can. We were not created to be fulfilled by other people. We were created to be fulfilled by him. So you're chasing him. Now, what you were saying earlier made me think of 
it makes sense that he would give us such a desire for something that only he can do. Yeah. It's amazing, really, if you think about it. <laughs> Once again, showing that he already knew. Even before he created us, he knew what we were going to be like. And he provided for that. He, he accounted for that. Um, it's, it's really amazing. You know, when you read that verse, when he says that even before he created us and put us in the womb, he knew us and he loved us. To me, these things prove that. He proved that. Um, and that's an amazing thought. He already loved us before we were even flesh and blood. Before we were even growing in the world, he already knew us. He knew us. And he loved us. And, and that word knew, you know, is so often overlooked. You know, to know something. Not like in an intellectual way, but to know somebody, to deeply and intimately know them inside and out. Um, he knew us like that before we were even flesh and blood. No, not know about. Yes, there you go. No, not know about. Uh, and that, that spiritual, that soul deep kind of knowing, you know. Um, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. <clears throat> Miss Donna's here. Oh, hey, Miss Donna. I'm glad to see you on here. I'm glad you caught us. Um, we are just wrapping up. Uh, for me, for verses 6 through 8, I put them all together. Um, but I can separate them if you prefer for yours. I'm not going to do that yet. Keep it separated? Okay. Mom also said something about us on Oh, trust and obey. She was saying that it went along with what we were talking about, to trust him and to obey him. But yes, there is a song, um, an older song that they used to sing in churches called Trust and Obey. And about um, the keeping things in balance, remember the parallelism? That is what Hebrew poetry is all about. I think she was referring to your, your wit. Some humor oh. <laughs> and amidst all of these hard truths that we're knocking out there you threw some humor in there with your wit <laughs> balance it out a little bit while we're stepping on toes <laughs> we can yeah. create some laughter too obviously like, bring each other out yeah um and just keep in mind you know yeah some of these that we're coming out with are some harsh truths and they can make it squirm and they can step on toes but you know what um anything that i'm saying here i'm applying it to myself just as well as anybody else because i'm just as guilty of a lot of these things as anybody else is um i i personally i love it when it makes me squirm because you know what if you're not squirming you're not growing if you're not uncomfortable you're not growing and, and so I love it when something actually makes me squirm and makes me a little uncomfortable because then I've just realized something that needs to change and that means I have a chance to grow and so I love that so we put out these harsh truths it's not like we're pointing fingers and, and saying no 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 and shaking our fingers at anybody pointing them at myself just as much um, this is what we're here for it's how we learn so moving on to verse 6 um, it says, many are saying, who would show us good? 
Yahweh, lift up the light of your face upon us. I feel like this verse what good there may be, and just be like, who can show me anything good right now? Hmm, very good perspective. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> awesome perspective, yeah. Oh, well, mine translated it. Many are asking who can show us anything good. <laughs> well, that's pretty much the same thing. Mine says many are saying who would show us good. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't get that perspective. That's awesome. You're right. That was my immediate thought, which is why I found it so relatable. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's so easy to do right now. You scared me. <laughs> Sticking his nose in my back. <laughs> no bathing behind. <laughs> yeah, if you, especially if you're just in a point where you just hear bad thing after bad thing. Like, who can just tell me something good right now? Uh, which really highlights even more the importance of the good man, the gospel. We have that good news for the people. And I can just see, you know, David, like, just reflecting about the world's fallen state and just thinking about the people that, you know, who don't, don't know that kind of peace and how any of us can, but especially for them, and, you know, they're not going to have that kind of joy that people don't talk about. But, you know, I can see how that brings him to the next part about, uh, you know, it prompts him to ask that way for his face to shine on us. His light, I take that as his, the feeling of his presence and his goodness and just the reality that he is good and that he is here. And even if you aren't finding that goodness in the world, just find it in him and he's acting. And it, it is real in our lives. He can show us something good. He is good. Exactly. <clears throat> if anybody can find goodness in this world, if he can, he is the goodness. Yes. Matter of fact, any goodness that is found in us is him. It's certainly not us. It's, it's him. Yeah, very good perspective there. Look for his goodness and what he's doing, what he's telling you, what he's working, even. You know, just seeing the goodness of like what is created. Nature, beauty, and the good feelings and the moments that brings you your loved ones. Exactly, it is there. Our media is not going to share it with you. You have to find it for yourself, but it is there. There is a lot of goodness in this world still because there's still a lot of his people in this world, which means he's in them, so that goodness is there. But no, our media is not going to share that with you. That's why even... Everything seems depressing, and believe we never have to be depressed. Very good. Yes. <laughs> we never have a reason to because there's always hope in Him. <clears throat> Very good points. What did you get? Well, I said, mine's all combined. So oh, yeah. it really, until we get to eight, <laughs> then I'll share you with you mine. Um, so, seven, you have put more gladness in my heart 
than in the season that their grain and wine increase. This stems from the reflection of Genesis. David is considering true joy. The joy that's from him is in the spirit and it lasts. I'm sure we all could be pretty happy with uh, having grain in mm-hmm. wine or the equivalent. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you are a farmer and you have a nice crop, or maybe you have a really nice grocery. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> But, um, yeah, food is nice and it nourishes us for a time. But, um, the relationship with Him and the Spirit, that's something that refreshes us constantly and eternally and exactly when we need it. And salvation is forever. And just the kind of joy that He brings us is so much further than that kind of joy. Something that not everybody knows. We wish that everybody could know. Sadly, and that's why we do what we do. <laughs> And finally, in verse 8, I lie down in peace altogether and sleep. For you alone, O Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. You can't really see the link between this and the last time. Yeah. There's clearly this is a, a truth that's so, you know, from spirit, spiritually embedded in him. She says she loves, loves, loves verse 8 because he has prayed through the angst that seems to be troubling him from possibly Psalm 3 and 4, and he has found his peace and rested in the Lord and Savior. That's exactly where my head went. Like, no matter which direction you look at exactly, because I was still kind of picturing this as like, you know, just like you're about to go to bed and your mind just getting to all these troubling things about these people. And As it loves to do when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, it's weighing <laughs> on your heart. But he, through prayer, has worked through it and he knows that there's no use just continuing to stay up and worry about it because it's in his hands. Like, yes, it's a troubling situation, but he's got it. It's, it's not, it may feel like it's just resting on your shoulders, but it's not. And so... That sleep is a gift he's giving us. We can have peace whether it's a situation like the last one where it's a very active physical danger, or whether it's just you know, the worry that comes from the outside. And we can still accept that peace and that rest from him, and it's valuable and it's just You think it's It's tangible. <laughs> Okay, well, for 6 through 8, like I said, I combined them, and I got a little different perspective from you on the first part. I like your spider-man, but <laughs> I, I kind of carried over once again where they were saying that they were telling him that Yahweh wouldn't help him, and so I, I kind of got, you know, who would help you, you know, um, Yahweh, shine your light upon us and let them see, um, how, in other words, to me it was kind of like he was in his head reminding or remembering these people saying, you know, who would help you? You know, and he was saying, Yahweh, shine your light upon us and let them see how you have filled me with more happiness and joy than they have ever known. Because back in those days, yes, the, the whole, the vineyard thing, the, the farm, that, that was like a big part of, that, that was the dominating income, you know, in those days. 
times. So for them, it said it was increased. Increased meaning that, you know, they had an abundant crop, okay? So nothing could possibly really, to them in their head, for those that are seeking these empty things, could have made them happier than to have an abundant crop for that year. Because to them, that solves all their problems. You know, that they have plenty of money, they can take care of, you know, any debts, they can buy whatever they want. You know, that to them, that was happiness, that was success, that was joy. Very much the same way today. You know, um, I guess you might look at uh, an increased grain or, or wine might be today like a bonus or a raise, okay? Yeah. Or um, a promotion, I guess would probably be the best thing, a promotion to... A lot of people, that's what they're chasing after, is they, they want to climb that corporate ladder. They want to get that next promotion. They want that bonus. They want um, that increase in pay. To them, it always comes down to the same thing. Those things equal money. Money buys happiness. Money solves all the problems. But you know what? Look around. Very often... The richest people in this world are the most miserable people in this world. Money does not solve your problem. And that money can disappear just as quickly as it came here. But I find that oftentimes, if you ever talk to anybody who has it, they'll tell you that with that money came more problems. Especially since it requires you to spend a lot of time at work, and therefore you are not spending time invested in the relationships within your marriage, within your family, um, or with God. You know, you're looking to the wrong thing for that source of happiness. Again, it's not real. It can disappear as quickly as it came. It can be taken as quickly as it was given. Um, that is not going to give you the kind of joy that you are looking for. And it's certainly not going to give you peace. I can tell you, because guess what? If you got a promotion in that job, guess what came with that? More responsibility, more frustration. Um, you have a whole lot more on your shoulders than what you already have. So it's not giving you peace. I can tell you if that's what you're looking for. And you're not going to find it there. So he's trying to tell them, you know, or he's saying, Yahweh, shine your light upon us and let them see how you have filled me with more happiness and joy than they have ever known. Far more than material or financial wealth could ever bring them. Let them see. This goes back to where I was saying before, you know, set apart. We're set apart. Why? We're different. Because people can see, and, and you see it so often in the world. Matter of fact, even look at a lot of your, your television programs. How often it was shown that the, the, the person, like, you know, in movies or something like that, the poor ones, were always happy and the rich ones were always miserable and they would look at the poor ones and say how can they be so happy they have nothing you know their house is falling down around them it's little it doesn't have enough space they they can't afford to eat well or they don't have a whole lot of food their clothes are shut but look how happy they are look how peaceful I've got all of this and I'm miserable that's the whole point because you're not getting that joy and that peace from those material things. You're getting that joy and that peace from him. And that's the only place that you're going to get it from. And I thought, you know, he's like, let them see. 
that we have this abundance of joy and this abundance of peace and this happiness far more than they've ever had from this financial wealth that they have or from these material possessions that they have. Far more than that. Let them see that. I sleep. Once again, that sleep, like you said, kind of brings you back. And I, th I think it's not... It's not at all coincidence that he repeats this. Um, I sleep because I am filled with peace because you're my protector. There is no greater protector that you could have. There is no greater protection that you can have. Um, Fort Knox can't compete <laughs> with our creator. And so therefore, you can sleep because you're his. Because you belong to him. And no one is going to protect those that belong to him more or greater than he does. So you can sleep well. Remind yourself of that because, yes, yeah, so often as we go to lay down our heads at night, all these things pop up into our head. And you know what? That, that's, not, that's not a mistake either. Know where that comes from. Our enemy likes us vulnerable. And one of the ways we talked about in the previous weeks that we are most vulnerable is when we are tired. So he doesn't want us to rest. So it's no mistake that when you lay your head down that suddenly all the day's troubles, all the day's worries, all tomorrow's, or even things that happened 10 years ago start popping up into your head. And you can't sleep because you are rolling those things over and over in your head. But you remind yourself who you belong to. And how much he loves you and how he can protect you more than anything in this world. And nothing and no one can get to you because he's protecting you. So you can sleep just like David slept. Go get some sleep. Yes. <laughs> Go get some sleep. And we will see you guys next week. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, if you enjoy listening, please feel free to share it with others so that hopefully it can bless them too. And if you don't already know about it, we also have a Facebook group, both a public page and a private group that you can join. You can find us at Leaving It at His Feet every day on Facebook. Just remember, if you would like to see the Bible studies, the videos, the many teachings, the, or the live prayers, or many other things that we offer for a variety of ages, you have to ask to join the private group. Hope to see you there. Bye.